0: Mm. God, I i love that image of batman with the gargoyles
1: yeah yeah that's a good point we should uh talk about how fucking incredible these covers are like i'm you know i can be on the fence a little bit about uh alex ross art but um i think his covers especially for this run are incredible yeah yeah Welcome to Batman in Quarantine, episode 22. I am always M. Jeff here with my amazing best buddies.
2: I'm Justin, and I had that awkward pause because I thought a burp was going to come out, but I think it's just hot, liquid enthusiasm. Yeah. Coming, come, uh, escaping from me. We could... <laughs>
1: Better use of words, better
2: use of words. Yeah. <laughs> uh, bat magma. Oh,
1: Whoa. I like that.
2: And then, know, let's go with that, Roman. I like that a lot better than what I
1: said. And who is that aged fox down south? Uh, I'm I'm if,
0: if you mean me, I'm Roman.
1: I do, I do, I do. <laughs> um, well, we're we gonna be you, you thin white wolf of sex <laughs> talking <laughs> about issue 680 of the Batman run, illustrated by Tony Daniel, second to last issue in the Batman RIP run. We Whoa. just had our official Zoom. First official Batman in Quarantine Zoom collapse while recording this episode. So uh, we've rebooted, we've restarted, we've regathered, and we've rekindled, I would think. Um, Justin, oh, yeah. you just said, whoa. What do you bring to the table with that whoa? Love,
2: first of all, but also <laughs> disappointment. Oh. Because no. it's almost over, this first little era that we're in. And this there's internal continuity between all these but there's such tone shifts in this book and I'm not ready to give up the psychedelic dark satanic first wave of this entire saga or I guess the first saga in this entire entire opus I can't believe that there's only two issues left of this like this has such a unique flavor I'm not ready to go on to the next course yet I want to savor the appetizer I guess yeah. Yeah. When Jeff said there's only two issues left, I was like, what?
0: No.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, to be fair, there's this one and then one more, which is like, a oh, it's like a double-sized issue. So, you know, we've got – that one will at least take a while to get through. Yeah. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Justin, as you were even just saying that, it kind of made me think about it. You're right. This one is sort of like a 50s or 60s noir – moving through this to the 70s like kind of noir dark gritty thing but then we get this like the next arc of like you know batman and robin has almost this like 80s prince flamingo professor pig like synth wave thing going on yeah it has yeah. this weird psychedelic synth wave thing going on like everyone's starting to come down on the acid from the 60s they spent all of the 70s in a sort of like dark den trying to recover and then the 80s they're trying to get back out there and that's yeah, what Batman and robin's plate. gonna be yeah. yeah
2: the colors are brighter it feels so new like i'm sure how the 80s felt like oh we actually made it to the future
1: right yeah
2: and uh yeah, it's. Brandon, what was a- that like?
0: Bat dance. <laughs> oh, okay. Is that you. how that was like? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, was that the Prince song from one of the Batman movies?
1: Um, Justin is the Michael Keaton Batman expert, so. Yeah, wasn't that in the? Isn't s- there a big dance, like a Prince dance yeah, scene? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think
0: I think in the second one, the
2: like. No, the first one, the Joker has that first big one, the, gun. Yeah, the and Joker and his thing. man and then yeah. Batdance dance by Prince is playing and-, yeah. <laughs> hey. and he throws the acid on the people's face and they're like, uh, yeah, before I we get
1: it. into the like subject matter of this podcast, <laughs> 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 you know, Justin continues to pantomime the Joker from that. Hey Justin and Roman, would you mind telling me which of those two Keaton movies you like more? Oh, oh uh dude.
2: the second one for me. The first one is as you guys know, a little more quotable for me, it's got (laughs) some like really legendary bits of God, trying to distinguish it. Uh, I love both those movies a lot. They're both like a weird Gothic psychosexual Freudian opera to me. um, And I love them. I think that the second one has like more imagistic and iconic images and feelings and atmosphere, which I think speaks volumes and lives a little bit t- more timeless where the first one i think is like better conceived of, as a story being told like the the moments and the characters are a little more believable and it makes a little bit more cognitive sense mm-hmm. and the second one to me is a little more dreamy and beautiful and more dream logicy. and in the way that like it's just kind of like the whole thing has a really weird sexual undertone I, in my opinion and like there's just these beautiful snowy things and I don't think the story is even the most convincing or uh, intriguing part of of that movie. I really think that those movies are actually capital G good.
1: Chapter five of six, where Batman looks like a crazy carnival character and is hanging out with Batmite and we get to see some very good Joker action some uh some gordon in the house a fight between batman and the joker and we end with finally getting a pretty healthy reveal that i think that we ruined weeks ago um so (laughs) let's let's get into this i had a a listener uh and friend of ours text and say like hey is this book gonna get spoiled um if i you know like listen and i was like i think we're doing a pretty good job of not doing that but that is the one glaring instance of hey sorry we fucked it up for you um we did ruin that there is a, a betrayer that is revealed in this issue. Oh, we ruined one other thing too. Oh, did we? Oopsie um, doopsie. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, we're like, we're doing our best and uh, forgive us, but you know, also uh, Jezebel Jet. her name alone should have been a red herring uh, or, <laughs> yeah. or a, a giveaway. But um, this issue I thought really ramped up. The second half of it was great. The first half of it was almost a little bit slow I don't even know about that. Actually, it was very good. Um, the like the bit that we get to spend with uh, Monsieur Bossu, the the hunchback, and like his little monologue. But really, he's when disgusting. the Joker comes in, he's disgusting. Yeah, let's let's talk about him disgusting. We see his naked little butt too.
2: <laughs> I know, and his gross standing hair on his back. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys ever seen like <laughs> photos of armadillos up close and they have like hair coming out of their shells and it looks just like unnatural and diseased?
1: Are you are you talking about Danny DeVito? <laughs> Is he an armadillo? Uh I say Monsieur Bolsu, an armadillo, and Danny DeVito all have a pretty strong, I bet they all look really similar naked. <laughs> oh great. We're never gonna <laughs>
0: yeah, get yeah. DeVito on the podcast
2: now. <laughs> oh yeah. man, Romans I can get us an armadillo though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you
1: <laughs> Hey, um, you know what I thought was really cool in this first sequence here with Hurt around the table talking, he's invited a whole new cabal of bad guys to to come take bets on whether good or evil will end and he says our annual game of, of good and evil and i looked at the month this came out our book says this came out in october of 2008 and the first issue of the black glove storyline came out in like september of 2007 so it's actually been a year in real time since the black glove last tried to do this to batman so i think that that's really cool just a little bit yeah. of uh, internal like I would have loved to have been reading this book as it was coming out and be like, oh, shit, they're doing it again. That happened a year ago. And he's even saying it was a year ago.
2: That's that that extra, awesome. extra layer that Grant Morrison puts into his stuff to, you know, and to some people I'm sure that seems a little wanky, but I absolutely love it. And I didn't even realize that that was probably something he was orchestrating as, like, release dates in
1: well, Simba's... And- as we'll get further into this, there's another there's another great moment in here that ties back early into the run, just in terms of direct wording. So, um, yeah, the, this issue kind of made me think like, oh, there are definitely parts of the story that have changed as it was going through, but there's definitely stuff that has been true from the get-go that he's been waiting to reveal, and this issue reveals some of those things, including Messier monsieur's butt <laughs> okay yeah i wanted
2: to ask you i had this question in my mind it's kind of a three parter um what is more repulsive to you about mr miss miss the gargoyle both sue both yeah uh what he's saying behind door number one is that the most gross
1: you mean uh I, by day, am a nice family man who has a wife and a career and, you know, children, but uh, at night, polite society does not let me admit that I would like to to kill all of them and, you know, buy, yeah. So that is maybe one. Uh, Yeah,
2: mine is the twisted soul of a monster. Um, Yeah, he, that, his drooling mouth or his little butt behind, which one of those things is the most gross to you? The drool okay yeah the, <laughs> the drool, drool is... the drool with those words <laughs> yeah
1: back hair for me
2: the back hair on the drool shot is just so bad um <laughs> i thought that was kind of awesome
0: yeah well you're but, a hairy man I have, yeah I have, a, I have back hair and shoulder hair too so I really, pretty...
1: I really like that he actually puts on a mask that makes him look like a hunchback like yeah it is this you know, so many villains would look that way. And that would be the written origin for why they are bad guys. Cause I was ugly and made fun of, and here he actually feels like internally, he, there's a disparity between, uh, who, who he is on the inside and how he looks on the outside. And, and he dresses up to look like, you know, how he feels inside.
0: Yeah. That was a really good touch. Cause until that point, we hadn't realized
2: that that wasn't his natural face.
1: <laughs> right.
2: Right. There's just such a through line of like, y- Youngian and some furry and stuff and Batman, you know, making the outside reflect the inside, the unconscious to the conscious, that kind of thing. And Arkham Asylum is super Youngian. Like I think that Grant Morrison does a really good psychological thing with Batman without only making it about psychology. You know, it can be yeah. fun and.
1: That's a know. really good point. I think a lot of people will start a Batman run with the thesis statement of some psychological component of Batman, and then that is what the run is about. Mm-hmm. And and I think that, you know, a strength of Morrison is that very seldom is anything that he writes only about one thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he's got like smart theory in a way that like internally is consistent, makes, makes things make sense, but he also lets things make fucking no sense and still be fun, like Batman running around in this garbage costume and beating people with a bat and somehow that being the secret thing that, like the secret device that he has is being crazy. I love that.
1: Well, yeah, and it it is like such a good secret weapon for him because it is the thing that no one can really predict within him is because he is always so rational that like when he is in a cartoon costume and doing the insane shit, it's hard to hard to pin down. We get some, we get like some good Joker stuff in this, almost like just the most Joker spoken word we've gotten since the transformation in The Clown at Midnight, Mm -hmm. and I am reminded of just how much I love this joker and like the look of this joker scary yeah it's so marilyn manson like he looks so much like him there and but there's also this like sadistic sexiness to him as well
2: yeah Uh, he's very serpentine his he's very spelt Um, yeah
0: his his, and his smile is really i mean
2: because the the gums are so
0: prominent it's actually scarier looking to me than like the later versions when it when his like faces cut up and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Just just this
2: hideous rictus grin he has in here is horrible. And the gunshot on his head, just like that's the (laughs) wound that broke the Joker. That's the thing that like pushed him to be this super evil thing.
1: I I love that reference, Justin, and he he gets to a little bit later in the issue, but the the profound sense of betrayal that joker feels believing that batman shot him because in the very first issue of the run you know one of the cop batman shoots him and he is in his like you know purple outfit joker and he gets shot in the head then he goes through this horrible transformation in the clown at midnight issue into this joker but i love i love how betrayed he feels because it's like we have a dynamic like I antagonize you. You beat me up and put me in jail. Like how you dare are... you
2: actually try to kill me?
1: Yeah. How dare <laughs> you use a gun and defy the rules that we have, you know, set out? Like it's, I, I think that, it, and it's not even like so clearly stated as like this is why this, but it just in his talking it brushes on that subject enough times in this specific issue. I think it's really it is a profound thing that happened to the Joker there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In a way, it, and this just occurred to me, you saying that, Jeff, that. It's a um, it's it's a betrayal and reversal of the end of uh, Killing Joke, you know that final scene between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's betr- betrayal of that relationship because they need each other and, and they and they fuel each other.
1: Yeah, it's it is interesting, like how in so much of the Harley Quinn Joker relationship dynamic, that's so it's kind of an inversion of the Batman Joker relationship. Harley Quinn is to Joker kind of what Joker is to Batman.
2: Right. And just like the idea that like Batman up the ante by bringing Batman in heavy quotes, like up the ante by bringing a gun to their dynamic and shooting him. And so like Joker had to up the ante And do you really want what Joker has in store when he goes to the next level, you know, we're going
1: for the murder game.
2: Yeah, for sure. Like he murders people all the time and that's him playing nice. You know, this is what you get when you push on him and force him to evolve or, you know, um, go through a metamorphosis. So he's, he's just like, this is Joker running on, on full steam, just pure evil, and I, I just I, something about the gunshot wound there is like that mortal wound that scars you. That scar is the like I think that that Joker with that gunshot wound doesn't really make sense in Batman comics now. Mm-hmm. Like we couldn't go back and rewrite it, but for the context mm-hmm. of that, he just looks so scary because he also kind of beat death. He got shot in the face, and this yeah, is you look at that wound,
1: that. and there's no reason that he should have survived that wound right if a bullet got you right there that's a tough. that's a tough uh survival rate i would say
0: (laughs) yeah and i don't think they ever and it's and it's i like that that they don't ever really explain well
2: how did he take a bullet to the temple (laughs) and still survive i do think in that issue you see the bullet hit the ground and then ricochet yeah you're right oh so yeah so Uh. it wasn't okay
1: Guys, I have Bye. a question. I want I want your read on. Um, we get like a four page sequence of Batman trying to break into Arkham Asylum, which is where all <laughs> of this is happening. And there's a great conversation between Batman and Batmite that is sort of juxtaposed with uh, the Joker seemingly killing some members of the Black Glove. We learn, but as Batman is talking to Batmite, there's this great moment where Batman says like Hey, are you real or a figment of my imagination?" Uh, and and you, or you, or are you actually a fifth dimensional imp or a product of my imagination? And he says like, imagination is the fifth dimension, which is like, both. just an, yeah, an amazing concept that I know Justin and I both have thought a lot about and really love. And, you know, in my mind, I probably picked that up from Grant Morrison because it's such a through line in his stuff, but it's such a concrete idea to me that it is so logical. But at the end of that sequence, Batman gets to, it is Arkham, right? He's not trying to break into. Yeah, dark. it's Arkham. Okay. Um Batmite says, "I can't go with you through here," and Batmite has to leave Batman as he gets to the asylum to go in there. And I'm curious what the two of you think is the reasoning for why Batmite wouldn't be able to go in there with him.
0: Because uh, Batmite represents his Bruce's well, represents Bruce and, and reason, and in the insane asylum, there's there's no, and it's facing the Joker. There's reason has nothing to do with either one of
2: those things. Okay, I think I that's think- a really good read on it. I think that it's, so yeah, like, uh, Batmite is essentially Tinkerbell or uh, Johnny Crockett, just like the little moral conscience you have on your shoulder yeah, and, yeah. and the reason. And what Batman's going to do, he's going to go die. Like he's facing his death. And you can't bring it with you. You can bring nothing with you. Logic and rationale and what you think death is isn't ultimately ever what death is going to be. Like you can't bring it with you. There's, you're never prepared to understand what death is. And so Batman's going to face death and you can't bring anything with you. You know, you can't bring any kind of ideas you have about the afterlife and what actual death is because that's what death is. It's what's beyond rational understanding. So he's like, I can't go with you in there because you're going to die you know, this Batman is going to die. And so uh, the last remnants of who Bruce Wayne is needs to die. And so that's symbolically, I think, what's going on.
1: Man, those are both fantastic reads. I love always, some of my favorite parts of this podcast so far have been asking you guys kind of Batmite questions because I I think that that character and that story component is a thing that can be looked at from so many lenses as to what it is and what's going on. Um, I really like having these, perfectly vague interpretive things that we can talk about and just you both always have great reads on these things.
0: Well, thanks. I wonder, I wonder if Morrison, if when he did Arkham Asylum, if somewhere in the process of writing that or something like the Batmite ID idea that's here occurred to him, he's hmm. like, Hey, I got to use that someday. Maybe if I ever get a chance, <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. have a Batmite question. Um, and this is just a technical a printing thing. Maybe in the edition I'm, in the I addition know. of R.I.P. I'm reading, which is the, I think, the original soft cover mm-hmm. collection, it's happened in two different issues where Batman re- refers to might, to Batmite. But
1: M-I-G-H-T. It's
0: not, but yeah, it's it's not spelled that kind of might. I saw is that is that, well. tr- is that true in your guys' collections?
1: Yes, I noticed oh. that as well. Um, so, only so, once in this issue, but yeah, he refers to it as M-I-G-H-T. And I was like, oh, I wonder if that's an editorial error or... Yeah, that's what I
0: was wondering. Is that yeah, was that just a mistake or does that mean something? If it does mean something, I have no
2: idea what. (laughs) Yeah. I do have a technical question that when I was reading this, I got kind of confused. So while I was sitting there thinking about symbolically what all this represents, I forgot to like pay attention to that. I don't understand what's actually going on. Mm -hmm. And so there's Batman. What is he doing to these limos and these like Roman soldiers? (laughs) Because there's fire that seems to just kind of come out of his hands and then it like moves in a way that fire doesn't move i was wondering
0: about that too i was like did okay i guess off panel maybe at some point batman laid down some some lines of flammable material and then lit it somehow with his bat bick lighter
2: and then he's got these two like canister looking discs yeah things and they say red and black on them Oh, oh, do you I say? couldn't
1: make out the yeah. words.
2: Yeah, I was trying. I
0: couldn't make it out either. And I was like, are those hubcaps from the exploding cars? What is that? I wonder maybe. if they're like
1: the the lids to the cans of paint that they had? Like red. Oh,
2: oh that's what they that's are. That's what they are, yeah. They do look like paint can lids. Okay. And maybe Not that's them. what he's using to catch things on fire is the paint.
1: Yeah, I that was, you know, frankly, I, I did the same thing. I was often with Grant Morrison stuff, I can get so into the cerebral metaphorical that I'm just sort of like, yeah, Batman's Batman's fighting his way in here, you know? Like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's uh, action movies and fight sequences in general kind of always hit me that way of just sort of like, all right, whatever we need to do to get to the next <laughs> part where people are talking. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I talked up that, to
2: like, oh, Batman's got to beat up a bunch of people and make a cool entrance. So that's yeah. what he's doing. That is
0: an awesome touch then that the red and black paint can lens using those as his
2: substitute batarangs. <laughs> no that's that's another like little detail that helps even though the scene like panel to panel doesn't really make sense how he does it it's cool that he himself has an explanation for what those things are where he's getting his weapons. yeah
1: so throughout this you know two issues ago we see dr Hurt and monsieur bossu release the joker and it seems clearly like the, the you know dr hurt wants to utilize the joker and kind of feels like he can control the joker it seems right. like. And he, you know, Joker obviously can't be controlled and he kills, um, he kills the Sombrero and he kills, who else does he maybe kill in this issue? Um, I'm but people. He's I'm just, just hacking up henchmen as he walks Yeah, he's by. hacking up the henchman. But, why, you know, like, I wonder what, I wonder why Dr. Hurt wanted the Joker to be included in this. I
2: think he, Wants to take claim over who gets to defeat Batman and Mm -hmm. establish himself as the ultimate evil. And, you know, so much of this is breaking the human spirit and wanting to prove his dominance over the criminal underworld and over kind of mankind in general as, as someone who thinks they're the devil would want to do. Mm -hmm. So I think so much of this is also proving to Joker that he's not the only game in town and proving like, okay, I'm, who gets to do this i'm the i'm the baddest motherfucker in the club you know so i think that and also he's got this weird like oh i'm gonna honor you kind of highfalutin you know thing that he's doing to the joker like i think a lot of it is also like all of this is very theatrical and i think he's like you know treating everyone like their own stage piece and they deserve to be there and everyone has a part to play mm. um but yeah i think mainly he's just doing it to kind of wipe joker's nose in the dirt in an arrogant kind of gross way like i'm i the you know the new the new baddest thing yeah and also you know soften
0: up batman some more you know let the joker like do all the heavy lifting and then hurt will step in and finish
1: him off yeah this is his plan i think yeah um, for sure There as as this issue progresses, we get a little sequence of Commissioner Gordon, who's making his way through the Wayne Manor, which I don't think was brought up in the previous issue. But two issues ago, uh, it, w- it was shown that El Sombrero has booby-trapped the Wayne Manor, and now Gordon is trying to make his way through it. And you know, he says, "Like, you've well done, Gordon. You've advanced a whole fifteen feet without triggering any of the booby traps," which I thought was awesome. But Gordon is walking past the the hallway that has all the portraits of different Waynes and there is a mordecai wayne portrait and he looks eerily similar to bruce wayne yeah
0: dan um, yeah. Yeah, later on and we'll follow
1: on. up on that later on
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. but times. this is
0: the first appearance of the mordecai wayne i think <laughs> yeah
1: which is pretty
2: cool yeah this hallway has like significance later on <laughs> yeah yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah so another instance of like great forethought on his morrison's planning he had to have said like gordon walks down the hallway tony but also make sure and draw a mordecai wayne painting that looks eerily similar to bruce
2: right no it's, it's the plan from the beginning and it's just like who knows when he conceived of that part of the story dynamic that comes into play yeah but like the fact that it's just thrown in here one off even now and how much this tiny little easter egg turns into a a whole big chicken of significance is is crazy and we do get the adam west police (laughs) phone that's a hotline (laughs) old chums
1: yeah and i love that gordon does trigger a booby trap and just as that he's about to get shot we get damien burst out of the shadows and kills the guy that was going to shoot gordon and talia shows up with some assassins and and damien and i i liked that you know talia says uh although i rarely permit policemen to go unpunished which i love that statement of itself <laughs> police should be punished uh she says my beloved has spoken warmly of you commissioner gordon i love that the people who know batman who don't know gordon still know gordon is this respectable person because batman speaks so highly of him i just really like those human aspects of Batman when they happen. Like I love when he cares about Tim or I love when he is clearly a good dad or I love when he makes his deep respect uh, and, and admiration for Gordon apparent to the people close to him. So it's just, it's, I love that.
2: I love it too. And I love Gordon getting some respect because he has been a homie for so long man. just <laughs> so like goes, long. goes through so much shit for Batman. Like, thank God. I mean, it sucks that they like stomped Alfred cause that sucks. But like, at least Gordon doesn't get done dirty in, in this shot. Like, at least a bunch of ninjas didn't run up and cut up Gordon. You know, yeah. like, They're like, no, let's wait. Batman actually respects this guy. He must be worth something. So him getting a little respect and uh, deference is, is cool.
1: This whole time, Batman is trying to make his way through Arkham to ultimately get to Jezebel Jett, who he believes has been kidnapped. At the same time, he was in like when the R trigger took over his mind when he was in the cave because Hurt showed up there. So he's doing his best to get to uh, Jezebel. I just remembered that there was that great line earlier in the issue where Batman says like, or someone says like, that's a really dumb looking costume. He's like, it's red and yellow and purple. The colors of sheer confidence. Robin did it effortlessly for years. And, and like survived years with these colors. And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. The colors of pure confidence. And like, you know, that respect for Robin having survived wearing these colors forever. Just, like, that's a great bit, too.
2: Yeah, yeah, right. I love that, too. <laughs> and, like, confidence is the opposite of fear, and Batman's whole thing is, you know, fear. So, I thought that that was a cool, you know, if, if that's intentional or not, I don't know. But uh, I'm sure
1: it is, and and you're totally right. And Batman's whole thing is fear, but it also kind of stems from Bruce's fear of bats and yeah. bruce isn't in this consciousness at all so it is there is no fear it is just the confidence of the batman because none of the fallibility of bruce is there. that's a good point justin um yeah cool stuff then we really hang out in the black lodge you know with yeah, know. uh with batman of zero and and the joker having this great sequence in this red and black room and it's this nightmarish vaudevillian thing I love a lot of the dialogue the Joker is saying, but when he cuts his tongue to, like, mirror a snake's tongue, and that is just, like, a horrific panel of, like, a razor blade cutting through lengthwise a tongue. Woof.
2: Yeah. And just the serpent light, like, he's even drawn long and lanky and serpentine, like, that's the motherfucking devil. That's yeah. the real devil over yeah. right there. <laughs> Dr. Hurt, you ain't got shit. You won't cut your own tongue open just to, yeah. like, prove a point and bleed from the mouth. Uh, yeah, he's, he's fucking crazy. This dialogue is, like, the most evil and just, like, oh, I love when Joker is, like, bragging about how Bruce could never figure out. Like, you think it's so easy. You can just go into an isolation thing and go down the rabbit hole. You think that that's how you're going to figure me out? I think it adds some credence that Joker is smarter than Batman at the end of the day. Yeah. Like I, I think that he, he's insane and broken and like right, right. kind of sometimes not very functional. Like he can't kill Batman because he's trapped by his the logic of his own games. But I think that like sometimes there's been reason to believe that Joker is actually the smarter one of the two.
1: Well, and when you're not bound by logic and you're not bound by reason, you know, when you're playing chess with no rules and no board, you have advantage over people bound by rule. So, yeah, you know, I I think you're right to an extent there for sure. Hey, Roman, how do you feel about Joker's black and red scarf as the battle continues?
0: I I was wondering where... Where he got... Oh, it's part of the
2: curtains behind him. Batman's literally strangling him with a curtain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Janky. um, Everything's a weapon when you're the Batman of Zarenra. Yeah. What's interesting is I just realized looking at these pages
0: that um, yeah, Batman's got the scarf around him and at one point... Oh, I guess when they pulled down the curtains and everything, that's when you find out that uh, Jezebel's right behind that wall. Yeah, captive in there, and it's just interesting that then, that, but then Batman changes to trying to rescue her, and the Joker. Well, he almost disappears for a page and a half. Yeah, he does. Yeah, what but, did you guys, sorry, what did you guys. this, oh, this is just, like. Oh, this is just the the panel. Um, Jezebel's in that chamber, and I thought it was really cool that there's some tiny inset panels of you don't realize at first. At least I didn't. That they're uh, black and red rose petals falling in that chamber and the panels with those petals, they get bigger and bigger as they descend to the floor, yeah. <laughs> to the bottom of the page.
1: And oh, nice. Bruce is trying to break through the glass to get to Jezebel, who is freaking out and crying and, you know, saying, Bruce, make them stop. And, uh, and he does break through it, but, you know, we know that there's a neurotoxin that is released when the black and red panel or uh, petals, combine and as he breaks through it uh he falls under the under the effect of the neurotoxin and hurt reveals himself and he even refers to the the joker as his faithful servant he's like my good and faithful servant which is like no one puts joker in a corner
2: yeah that, i love that the look. will have the biggest repercussions
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah i love the look on that in that panel when he puts he stops the joker and puts his hand on the joker's shoulder the way the the look on the joker's face <laughs>
1: Dude, that panel <laughs> and the panel below it of Dr. Hurt, both of those panels looked like Doug Monkey to me.
2: I um, thought I yeah. felt like in this run, and specifically in RIP, there's some Doug Monkey and Tony Daniels art. There's a shot of Bruce's face when he takes his mask off to, re- to talk to Jezebel that looks so much like Doug Monkey.
1: And that's crazy because Doug Monkey, not too much later than this, came in as a huge sort of the savior of Final Crisis because he was able to get the art done when J.G. Jones couldn't, which is can you imagine that like around this same time he was gearing up for final crisis? Like this is just a couple months before final crisis. Like he's writing this and also the kind of magnum opus that is final crisis, which is just one of the most insane, high concept, complex stories that has existed. And he's also like doing, I just like his ability to be, have his attention divided while doing this is astounding to me more since that is, I love, um, the, those two final pages of this issue, the red and black with Batman kind of losing it and starting to get the Joker talks in and starting to laugh. And he almost looks like he breaks the bat radio, possibly.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that... I feel like that's been broken for a while. I mean, I I think it's one of the things he found right. in the garbage, in the trash, that I loved it when they revealed in a panel that that's what the bat radio actually is. It's just a, a probably broken old transistor radio. yeah. <laughs> He's
2: playing with it for sure. Yeah. I, mean, I just but like, that, yeah, oh, a point I wanted to say this, this whole thing is like, we may have spoiled Jezebel Jet's big reveal here where she reveals that she's part of the, the plan, but it's there all along. I, I took me to this issue to realize her hair is red.
1: Yeah. And she's, she's an African princess. Like she is black yeah. and red herself. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Right. And that is like the whole theme of this chess Board. she's there all along telling us <laughs> that she's bad
1: yeah black and red named Jezebel yeah, you right. know even even when we talked about it because like she's talking about like when she's gaslighting Batman into you know feeling guilty like you know it's, her motives are pretty clear when you when you look at it from that lens but this final page of her putting a black glove on is mm. so awesome because even still you know we know Dr. hurt is this big villain. But even through this, even through Batman and Robin, there's still times where like, do we still not know who the black glove really is? You know, because it is this ineffable thing. It's a conceptual thing. So it's her looking sexy as all hell and evil, like licking her lips and putting on this black glove and a rose, like a red rose falling on her finger. Batman's finally giving in. Yeah, it that is a great final page and it's a great reveal. And she looks so evil in that single shot. I know.
2: And just Batman, you just get this feeling like Batman is fucked. Unlike he's ever been fucked. Like, how is he going to get out of, they actually took our hero and Fuck. did more than break his back. Like messed him up. Like, I feel like at this point, the despair, like Batman's not getting coming back. This is the end, you know?
1: And it leads into the next issue, which has my possibly favorite Batman moment of all time. Well, I know which one you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the king. It's my favorite. So, yeah, this, was, this is a really great issue. It starts off kind of just like battle scene but then it becomes laden with uh, psychological overtones, moral overtones, uh, deep sort of contradicting plot elements. I, I, it, the second half of it is, is really, I mean, the whole thing is good, but dang, we really get to a fever pitch here
0: yeah, yeah. And, um, I, and i love the fact you know that that's that, that's the very end how the joker asked him like three times now do you get it you know the joke the joker was saying earlier that uh, there's only ever been one joke and it's always on you and he keeps on going now do you get it Now do you get it
1: that actually yeah reminds me i didn't really get to say the that one line earlier but you know as he's talking about the joke and batman's losing it and trying to break through this thing and he's just And more unhinged than we've ever seen him. And Joker says, you really want to know how it feels to be the clown at midnight, where there's only one joke ever, and it's always on you. And like that issue, that integral issue, the text issue is called the clown at midnight. And just Mm -hmm. this idea of what is the clown at midnight? And what is that metaphor? And how is it Joker? And how is it Batman? And what does it represent? And that was like an early issue of this run. It was like issue five. And here we are, you know, 22 issues in. 22 episodes and at least and uh you know having that repeat as this mantra and this metaphor is oof. is yeah, this pretty-
2: also where this issue where they talk about like what the specific cards mean? yeah batman's talking about like oh, the dead man's hand the dead man's hand and explains how he figured out the plan through what joker like joker was telling him the plan through the cards that is such a cool clever awesome way of foreshadowing and kind of yeah they just did a real really good job with that
1: Hmm. Mm. yeah yeah you're right because like the club is like the club of heroes the heart is like the love right um yeah what else do we have there
0: yeah and going back to you know joker's name and his his origin you know when he found when he got out of that and then found that playing card it's like oh you know
2: I mean, he didn't have that dialogue, but I'll be a Joker. I mean, that's what it, how he got there. Right. I'm the wild card and, you know, I'm the thing that you never see coming. Yeah. Um, and wow. that, that role for the Joker, the thing that you don't see coming, just keeps showing up and throughout this entire run. And it's so masterfully done. Like, this is just – I love this run for so many things. But what they do with the Joker and, and this kind of opus is just – it is as good of a joker story as it is a good batman a great batman story like he he does joker in a way that i've never seen joker done
1: yeah it is it is it is masterful and that was a great issue and now i can't wait to talk to you guys tomorrow about the giant oversized finale of all of this that's so good it's and then we're gonna need to take Uh, a nice sit down and just summarize what we've learned you know, the end of summer camp. What have we learned one third of the way through this run? What are we looking forward to? What are some themes? So I'm very excited to talk to you guys tomorrow about the the big one. Is there anything else we got to talk about on this one? Anything you loved? Any thoughts finishing things? We've been here for a while, especially considering the call got canceled at one point.
2: <laughs> it's um, just
1: my favorite thing.
0: Yeah, it is, it's so damn, damn good. You know, there's one little tiny thing I just noticed. Batman on his belt, Batman has the... Um, Charlie Charlie. Caligula's uh, uh, groan leaf. Yeah. On his belt. And we don't know yet if, does he have it there as just like a trophy or is he going to use that for something and how could he use it? What would it be?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, everyone, um, I'm so glad that you're here with us. Thanks for listening. You, as always, can write us an email or you can record a voice memo on your phone and attach that in an email to BatmanInQuarantine at gmail.com. We would love for your questions. We would love for your feelings, your thoughts. Um, again, we, we posted this yesterday, but we would love to hear. I think there's a lot of people who read batman rip without any context because it looks like a book that you can drop just drop in on and it is super not that so i would love to hear anyone's thoughts on what their read on that freaking this freaking book is with no context and uh but yeah anyway um roman justin thank you so much for joining me so glad to be here yeah, thanks for having us. This is, and, this is great. Oh, it's not even me having you at this point. This is just a three-bedroom apartment that we share. We're all in the living <laughs> room right now. But um, All right, everyone, as always, uh, for Batman in Quarantine, on behalf of Roman and Justin, I am Jeff, and we will see all of you tomorrow.